Hello, and welcome to Sounding Out with Izzy, the podcast where we have conversations with musicians, music producers, publicists, live promoters, zine makers, journalists, and more about their experiences working in the music industry as women, non-binary, and queer people. I'm your host, Isabel Corp the founder of the Queer Femme music-based blog and YouTube channel, A Girl's Two Sound Sense. Today's episode is a real treat. A while ago, I had the pleasure to sit down with Bonnie Bloomgarden from California psychedelic blues rock outfit Death Valley Girls, and I'm thrilled to finally share this conversation with you all. Death Valley Girls is a rock and roll band that I've always found so magnetic, and I'm not the only one. Iggy Pop himself has called Death Valley Girls a gift to this world. Bonnie and I chat about everything from the transitive power of music on our emotions, to her fascination with ceremonial magic, getting sober, and finding community and connection through a shared love of self-expression and live music. As usual, I would like to remind listeners that I am paying for the podcast out of pocket, so if you would like to help me continue to create more episodes and maybe buy me a coffee as well, please consider donating to or checking out my Patreon at patreon.com backslash a girl's two sound sense That's girl with three R's and no I. Those who join my Patreon will get to unlock bonus content, including music-based film reviews with special guests, unheard and unedited conversations in podcast episodes, playlists curated by yours truly, as well as early access to some of my YouTube content. However, I understand that finances are tight for many people, So if you are unable to join the Patreon, I fully understand. All I ask is that you give the podcast a five-star rating and review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts, as that really helps me out in my effort to get the podcast in front of more people. And without further ado, let's get right into this episode. Yeah, so are you in California at the moment? Yes, I am finally back home in Los Angeles, California. And you just got off a pretty lengthy tour, is that correct? Yes, that is correct. (laughs) Yeah, we did about like five weeks and about two weeks before that we did five weeks. So we're we're back. (laughs) You did some gigs with... Another one of the great, greatest bands at the moment, the Black Tones. Oh my God. Yeah. I love them as humans and band humans so much. They rule so much. Absolutely. Well, I am dying with uncontained excitement that you agreed to talk to me today, (laughs) but I haven't even introduced you yet. So for listeners, who are you? What do you do? And tell me a little bit about your history as an artist. Ooh, <laughs> didn't expect such a hardball right at the beginning. <laughs> well, at first you can, you, we can start a little slow. But no, you I'm can just say who you are. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I, I'm Bonnie 
I play in Dev Valley Girls and and yeah, and I am here to find out the mysteries of the universe and play music and hopefully find other people that are interested in seeking the mysteries of the universe. I love that. I love how seeking the mysteries of the universe was the first thing that popped into your head to say. (laughs) And I'm curious about when your relationship with music really became serious in your life. Yeah, well, it's really funny is that like when I was five, my first real dream, I remember not being about like goblins or witches or ghosts or things like that was I was on a stage. I was facing not the audience, but I was facing the like drums and everything. And it said really big and flashing, like um, it just lights all over. It said Bonnie and the bandits. And I was like, Whoa, guess that's my band. And then like me and three, I was wearing like all black leather and there's two girls on my sides and they were wearing pink leather. And we slid down the stage, like a 50 foot stage on our knees and like, like shredding on guitar. (laughs) And for some reason, when I woke up, I was like, Oh, it seems about right. Like I didn't, it wasn't from then on like a constant thing, but it's been since I was five, this knowledge that I will be on stage as you know, as an entertainer and performer of probably rock and roll music. (laughs) And that was a dream you had when you were five? Yeah. Yeah. So vivid. Like the girls were wearing like pink patent leather, like mini skirts and like matching, or maybe they were dresses or something. And I was wearing like a biker full on like black patent leather suit. And we just like slid on our knees and just like got up at like right in time and just like played guitar, (laughs) which is really funny if you think about it. What type of guitar do you think you were holding in the dream? I mean, my knowledge of guitars at that time was probably just cartoons. So I don't even know if it was what it was. I mean, I know it was black, but I don't remember much more. So you were like a Marceline in Adventure Time, basically? Yes. I'm (laughs) not that familiar with that show, unfortunately, even though I know that that's going to be a huge part of my future. It's not part of my past or present, but yeah, something like that. (laughs) Yeah, she's the vampire queen who plays bass and she's so badass. (laughs) That's awesome. I'm obsessed with her. And... Yeah, what was like the first band that you really, really like found yourself loving and devoted to? Like a band that you listened to? Yeah, I mean, I grew up not listening to bands and stuff. And my cousin gave me like this group of 50 vinyl and from like the 60s and 70s. And the first, sorry, my dog is going to and fro, but the first record I put on, the first record that blew my mind, the first, my first everything was Black Sabbath's first record that I, I, I had no idea that music could sound like that. I, I still can't believe it does or can or did in, and that was 1970, but yeah, that, that record forever changed me. And that was my dream 
dream, dream, dream forever and ever and ever to be able to play like all of them. Hi. Hmm. What kind okay? of dog? It's, it's a Maltese poodle. It, oh. I, she has a treat, and I think that that's what she wants, but she also likes to sit up here when I do podcasts. <laughs> she's like a little jellyfish she's like oh <laughs> I know I know yeah yeah we just got back like yesterday so we're still getting back into our routine but I guess sitting up here is more important than treats breaking news D- yeah. what, what's her name Tommy like Tommy Ramon, I named her Tommy after Ramon. Him. Oh, yeah. that's so sweet. I love yeah. that. And yeah, I love that you mentioned Black Sabbath because I feel like they just, I think that they're the best. I think they are essentially the embodiment of the phrase fuck around and find out in the form of a band. <laughs> For sure. Because they took like psych rock and we're like, well, what's going to happen if we tune down these strings so my fingers hurt less? Like- <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It's so cool. I mean, their musicianship is just amazing and their content. And yeah, having never, I listened to a lot of jazz as a kid and like my parents listened to show tunes and stuff. So I had no idea that you were allowed to just scare people it just was so cool to me you know yeah <laughs> and be heavy and they were a christian band like that's the biggest like like i feel like wow factor for me is like they're just the i love the lore too you know like geezer butler dabbled in the occult and then he had this these massive night terrors and wrote a whole song about it and it scared everyone shitless <laughs> so cool yeah. <laughs> he, I guess he was messing around with the wrong stuff <laughs> yeah too many Alistair Crowley coming to him in his dreams <laughs> yeah well, we don't mess with Crowley I'll tell you that <laughs> and I was wondering if you could take me to the moment when you sort of arrived in LA for the first time like what was happening in your life at the time and what were you sort of looking for at the moment yeah, well, I grew up here and I moved away to New York as soon as I could. And and it was amazing and a really wonderful place to just like pass through without getting noticed there. It's just like no one is trying to get anything from you. They're just trying to get to where they're going. And that was amazing. I didn't feel a single other person's energy and I, nobody wanted to be catered to or you know, babied or whatever, or even noticed. And then I moved here to Los Angeles and I I moved here so I could try and clean up, which happened. And, and then, yeah. And it just, it, it, I realized I had been sort of running from this like deep need to take care of and help and cater to other people's feelings, which I, I feel before my own because I had always done drugs since I was a little kid. So I just didn't know how to feel feelings, I guess, or, or, you know, or just like how to deal with it. But so I moved here and I was like, I need to, I had quit music for like four years. And I, I was just like, I need to start playing music right now, or else I'll just move back to New York. And that's when I met Larry and Patty 
and we started the band like very very quickly I, I think I gave myself a month before I was going to move back and I found them that week which was amazing how, how did they come into your orbit by the way yeah it's funny is Patty has a baby she's now 12 or she turns 12 next week and my sister had a baby who also just turned 12 and they were like in a baby group I don't know what it's called but they were baby friends and my sister was just like you gotta meet this lady Patty you're gonna love her she's so cool she plays drums and I was like and then finally I was like okay I have to and we met and she brought Larry now we just had so much fun and it just felt so good and like yeah and just wrote songs real good together and didn't have any fear. I used to, I used to be super, super, super shy. I like a word wouldn't even be able to exit my mouth. I was so shy, but I just didn't care with them for some reason. And yeah. And so we practiced for a year and then we played our first show. I think, yeah. in like April or something of some, I was going to say in April of 23, but that is not true at all <laughs> yeah yeah I don't know why the that 23rd year yeah that's not true after BC <laughs> yeah that, that's not a fact actually yeah that's secret cats out of the bag everyone Bonnie's actually a vampire <laughs> <laughs> well Larry is I think so it's I mean I don't know how much of it it would be a secret that I am because that would be my biggest fear in the world is turning into a vampire but I'm 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 pretty certain Larry is there's no other no other reason how he could live the way he lives, to be honest. Hmm. He's a a nighttime man. Night owl. Yeah. Yeah. Pretty, pretty astounding. And did you meet them already with a preconceived notion or knowledge of Patty's history as a member of a bunch of legendary groups and bands or, or, or was that like not a factor in you're like making acquaintance with them? I mean, had I been in my right mind, it would have been, but I was just so hell bent on like getting my shit started that like, I didn't, I wasn't like scared. I, I think I typically would have been very nervous. I wouldn't have probably brought in songs. I wouldn't have played guitar in front of such a virtuoso, but I mean, Patty's not just like in famous bands. She's like an amazing amazing drummer but I just like you know you I don't know how they say it but it's like um hell hat no no fury like that of a scorned woman what is that thing yeah yeah hell hath no fury like a woman scorned yeah yeah that was me I was hell bent on making music and being in a band like nothing could have stopped me at that point (laughs) And what sort of, what was your process of piecing songs together at that time? And how do you reflect on like your process back then as opposed to now? I mean, it's similar, but uh, it took me like this whole 10 years to realize what my process is. Because every time I judge it and I'm like, ah, fuck. Is that okay? Sorry. Of course. Okay. You can swear on here. This is not a syndicated radio show or okay. anything. So okay. Yeah. I just always, <laughs> I'm like, oh my God, I can't believe I waited till the last minute. But like, that's just how I do it. And it's more like channeling than anything else, I would say. But yeah, we, 
I mean, typically, like, I find I walk for a lot, like a bunch of miles every day. And just like that rhythm, I think, is how I kind of I guess it's meditation or something, but it pulls melody. Sorry, the dog is snoring now. I apologize. It's okay, I can't hear it. (laughs) Okay, yeah, I just pull melodies out from the stars. And then we get together and try and figure out like, how to make it into a song. And at the beginning, um, I was the only singer. And I think that that was like a big deal. I think getting more singers made it more and more and more the way I wanted it or needed it to sound. But yeah, the process is just like praying. It's just like, please, please. Like every, except for the last record we wrote, every record I would write all like 10 or 11 songs uh, that morning in the studio, just like, please, 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 please let these words come. Like I'll do anything. (laughs) But this last time I was like, I think you can write it before that day. Why don't you try? And, and it worked, but it wasn't, it didn't, it didn't do much. It, you still have to worry in the studio. So the farther or the earlier you start worrying, not the better. It just means you worry longer. So I, I like to just, we're, we're pretty improvised too. We have general ideas of the songs and then it's just, we layer it. So I don't know. Our, our, the guy that records us, Mark Rains, is like, yeah, you guys are weird. You're weird. And I'm like, are you, no one else does it this way? And he's like, no. <laughs> no. He's like, it's fun. It's, it always keeps me on my toes, but yeah, we're pretty improvised in our styling, but I don't, I like things to sound exciting and excited. And it's hard to keep that sound when you're perfectly polished and not making anything up on the fly. <laughs> yeah. Right. And I think one of the most interesting p- parts of your music is it's parallels to both psych and garage groups and even some avant pop, like, like stereo lab almost and and also like there's a lot of I can hear a lot of other influences like that are very eclectic in garage and psych but who would you I mean not not who how how would you classify Death Valley Girls musically do you feel like that's like something that shifts and is malleable or do you feel or do you enjoy like putting labels to your sound I feel like labels are sort of more for the listener just so that they know how to like categorize it and they know how to find other bands that sound like it. But like for us always in the beginning, I I was just trying to rip off Tina Turner and like just trying to rip off like kids choruses and church choruses and so much stuff that it's just more like a loose interpretation of things we very clearly aren't Uh, and you know just like how the Ramones were like oh we're ripping off the Shangri-Las or the Ronettes it's like doesn't sound like that to me but you get it you know it makes sense and at least for me that's sort of that's sort of what I'm kind of doing more than like anything else is just kind of like really just ripping off Tina Turner in some strange ways and trying to have like a Sly in the Family Stone effect to vocal presence with like a family of singers. And then it just being like truly channeled from 
like all, all as our belief is all art, all everything exists already in the world. And it's just when it's your turn to channel, you just hope that you pull a cool one down from the sky. And yeah, and I think that, yeah, these songs already exist. It's just what is our interpretation of them, I guess, is is our only job is to interpret the songs that already exist in the ethers and do it justice or make it fun. I, I don't really know, but that's that's what we're doing. <laughs> I don't know what the goal is, but but it's definitely a virtuous, a kind thing. We are not trying to start evil in any way or stir up any sort of evil. And when you created Under Spell of Joy, I understand you were listening to things like gospel and the like Ethiopian funk and became a fan of like singing in unison, like church choirs, like you, like you just said. And also you've spoken about before, like practicing, like, like intention, like how do like, I don't know, like the type of like meditation, like people do in intention circles, like manifestation and all that stuff, kind of magic-y stuff. You mentioned in an interview with Spin Magazine two years ago that you don't really <laughs> know the record that well still, and that you're going to learn at the same time everyone else does. So uh, now that it's been around two years, um, I'm curious, like, Oh, what do you, do you feel, what do you feel like you have gleaned from that record since it's been out for a bit now? That's funny. That's a good question. Well, that, that record, like its intention was to be saying every day because we thought we were going to tour every day as all bands in March, 2020 did, <laughs> but like, yeah, is all of the songs are just kind of have intentions and things in them so that, you know, a lot of people use crystals for magic or candles or whatever just to make it easier and for me it's always been like chants or mantras and I'm not talking about like real ones I'm just like I have ones that I say or whatever or like I write on all my water cups like magical potion cure or like you know like whatever just little things that I just do but each of the songs was meant to be for a specific type of thing and I figured even if we weren't like fully you know like being as intentional as possible by simply by saying them every day at least we would get something out of it so since that didn't happen I feel like I go to specific songs I think more than I would have otherwise and I'm like okay I need to like channel or like pull in this kind of you know, like the first song, like is hypnagogia is like a manifesting spell. And I like to pull that in. Yeah, just stuff like that, where it's, I, I still don't really know everything about the songs, but I know what they're supposed to make you feel or how they're supposed to help you build up a certain kind of energy if you want to do a spell or a prayer or use intention. Just like the same way when someone's like, getting in in their car for like a road trip or getting to work or whatever you choose a song that'll get you there like super pissed you put on you know like I don't whatever you put on it's just like you, you you use music and you use all sorts of things all through your day to get certain things for yourself and so I've you know that that record was meant to be that way where it's like 
you know, listen to Judas Priest in the morning and listen to Death Valley Girls at lunch, like whatever it is, just there's the right song to pull you into or away from anything you want. But yeah, that record is, I really like hearing the kids chorus on that record. It makes me really happy. I hope one day we get to perform it with them. (laughs) Yeah. How did you find the kids who ended up singing on the record? Yeah, they're so cute. They like their parents, usually some before concerts, usually like kids, because shows are, aren't all ages, parents will write us beforehand and have their kids come to sound check and we'll like show them the instruments or whatever, let them play the keyboard, let them try the drums. And those were just the kids that we had met. Actually, those were the kids we met at our last show before lockdown. And then they brought their brothers and sisters and then my nephews came too. So it wasn't a giant chorus, but a chorus no less, <laughs> you know? I love that. Yeah. yeah We've that was- had, we have a bunch of new recruits since then. And yeah, it's exciting for them because they got to be in the photos and they got to be on the billboards and like, you know, and we, they're our friends now, <laughs> you know, we text their parents, not them, but you know, they're still like, we got them little gifts for Halloween and their birthdays and stuff like that. <laughs> That's so adorable. I love that. And speaking of like manifesting things, I feel like a few of your biggest like intentions you put out into the world have been successful. For example, you wanted to get Iggy Pop in a music video and you successfully did that. So how did that come about? It's so crazy is we used to work a lot with our friend, Kansas Bowling, who's a director and actress. And she, we used to do a lot of stuff with her. And she just told us one day, she's like, she's a master manifester, like almost a high, high priestess level. But she's like, oh, I had a dream last night that instead of it being, or she's like, you know, that Warhol eating a burger short video or whatever. Um, I had a dream Iggy was doing it for your song. And we were like, that's crazy. That's so cool. She's like, yeah, I'm going to ask him if he can do it. And we're like, oh yeah, that's crazy. Good luck. And then it happened. It was, and yeah, it's, I mean, it's, it's still hard to believe It's. I mean, it will never be easy to believe it's, you know, all all the five, we rewrote a list of like the 10 most important things to us. And somehow, like five of them have happened. And, you know, certainly him being in a video was not on the list, but meeting him was. And yeah, it's pretty crazy that we even got to meet him. Yeah. What was it like to, to like interact with him behind the scenes? Yeah, it's it's weird because it's like you you think of you see super famous people and and everyone has an opinion on them. And you think like, Oh, they're bitch or he's an asshole or whatever it is. But it's like, maybe they are, but they also have some sort of magical power, some sort of star quality, something that is magnetic. It might be repulsive, but it's magnetic. And Iggy, his aura, if you will, or whatever it's, is it was like being near the Dalai Lama, I, I would imagine. It was just felt calming, reassuring, loving, seen. It's so weird because 
he, for the way he looks and all the things he does, he just has something magical about the, of, about his presence. It's, it's really, and, and we could feel it for like five days after we were under some sort of like glow, just lightness, some, you know, like I, I understand like <laughs> brainwashing and mind control and like how that can be possible around a person like that. Cause it, it just feels so good to be around them when you like, right before he got there, we were like, eh, I don't think we should do this. We should get out of here. This is so weird. I don't want to meet him. Like, what do we have to say to him here? He knows. And then it was like, Oh my God. And he just sat down next to us. And we were like, oh, <sighs> It was like incredible, you know, really, really, really wild. <laughs> yeah, that's a that's incredible. I love that story because I know one of my friends slash mentors who's a, a writer and author and a professor of rock and roll history at BIM in Europe. She spoke to Iggy on the phone when she was writing a book and she said the same thing that even so over cool. the phone, his aura was just like, ultra magnetic and just like like he was just a doll like she like uh, just by <laughs> listening to his voice over the phone she could tell and, yeah that's yeah. so cool it's amazing and it really it made me rethink the way I I think about everything you know like just as far as my own personal energy my energy field other people's energy in their fields and and yeah and just being kind of like you know, it's really boring to be like, I don't like them, like some famous person. And it's like, yeah, but they have something very special, <laughs> you know, and it's like, just cool to look at the world in that way. Especially the worse the person is, it's like, why you? Why do you have that? You know? <laughs> yeah. And I don't mean too bad. I don't want to go into the, the worst of the worst. <laughs> but yeah. Yeah. Definitely. Just speaking of that, that just made me think of a very funny story. I just learned the other day that at one point, Sharon Osbourne, of all people, managed Smashing Pumpkins. Whoa. And when she quit, she put out a press release that said, I had to quit for medical reasons. Billy Corgan was making me sick. (laughs) She put that out as a quote to the press. That's funny. Yeah. I haven't had any personal interactions, but I've definitely heard uh, some not cool ways of being <laughs> from him. But, you know, that's that's his magic power, I guess. There's got to be that. But that's really funny. I'm going to say that from now on. Like, I have to do that for health reasons. You make me sick. Exactly. <laughs> Make you sick. Yeah, like, and it, of all people, if not even Sharon Osborne, yeah, handle, totally. You like, whoa, like, what kind of? Oh, yikes! So, yeah, but yeah, but but then you're like, oh my god, Siamese dream totally slaps. Yeah, it does totally. But you know what's so hilarious that I realized is that if you you speed up Siamese dream, if you play it at one point five speed, it sounds like a hair metal band. Whoa, I got to try that. I've never tried that. Yeah, I was just listening to a podcast that's like sort of half satire where the host like sort like semi trash popular bands and they mentioned listen to Siamese Dream sped up. You'll hear poison and I was like that can't be true and I tried it <laughs> and I was like holy shit, this is a hair metal band. That's so funny. So funny. But anyway, yeah, what you were saying like 
the whole thing of like fandom and just like the whole like I think the way that the whole arena rock sort of output from like the blues which gave way to the Beatles onward across the Atlantic and the fandom mentality that followed that it is like very culty and it's very interesting to study because it's magical but it can also be scary and morbid at times yeah well I think if you look at music like before the 40s it was not about self-expression it was about expression and it was about expressing that music and when people went to watch it they were very like not demure but like they didn't lose their minds I mean at least in white culture and like it just wasn't about self-expression and then kind of come along like cool dudes in the 50s and like Bo Diddley and all of these people, Chuck Berry, where it's like just about self-expression. It's about getting these feelings out. It's about showing them and it's letting you dance to it. And it just, it just really changed everything. But it, it, I think people were, it was just religion was what people had. And if you had some sort of problem with your religion, like you were kind of shit out of luck (laughs) and it was just boring time. And then like, 50s just brought about this ability to be sort of subculture anti-popular culture and sort of dance around move around be your individual self get acknowledged for that find other people like you and you know it's just on and on it's like people want people want to relate to other people even if it's by not relating to most people and I think art and music has always served as a way to do that but yeah, never, never as like with such fan, fanery, <laughs> faniation as with music where it's like they're, that's why I think of it's like, it's like, this is a religious mission. It's a spiritual mission at the very least. And it's, if you believe in our words and what we say, will we, we will set you free. And I think that that's kind of like, you know, if you believe in what we say, you can dance yourself free Uh, regardless of the way you grew up to just believe in this one set of words and those words, translations, 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 you know, it's it's very complicated, but music is, is accessible and easy and tangible. And you can tell whether or not you believe in someone's, you know, what they got going pretty quickly. It was way easier than reading reading, reading some books. <laughs> I, I don't, I'm kidding. I'm, I love books, but you know what I mean? It's just like, go down there, listen to what they have to say. And if it moves you, then it's right for you. If it doesn't go find something else. Exactly. And I was wondering if you could tell me a little bit about how that translates to your interactions with audiences individually. I'm sure you've had many memorable fan experiences. Are there any in particular that really stand out to you or that you will remember for a very long time? I mean, there's so many, but I will say that after the last two years of people having to be inside and like, I can really tell that people have been waiting to like show off or try on or actually just get to be their real identities and their real, the way they really feel and just show that off. And the last tour 
was the most amazing tour because you saw people, young kids just be like, this is me. Like, and for me, I wasn't allowed to be me in my house. So it was all about going out and showing my true self at the music clubs. And this tour was the most where you could just tell people had been, they had been at home and they had been waiting and they had, you know, just become themselves and just found out who they are and who they love and that other people are like that. And it just really, it was really sad before because I didn't think about that, but there was so much longing and desire and all this stuff, especially being a teenager in your 20s, all ages, but especially like just figuring it out and not knowing if it's okay. And then could just see all these people coming out and it's just like, it's okay. And we love it. And we're here for you to dance to it. And that before that, I, you know, I was, I wasn't sure why we were doing this during COVID. I was like, I don't think it's safe to bring people together. I don't want to do it. But after this tour, I was like, oh my God, like there's nothing I would rather do than create this space for these people to get to find other people like them and realize that any old thing that they are wanting to try is good. Maybe not permanently, maybe, maybe, you know, some of the styles I have seen are, you know, maybe take hours and hours and hours, and maybe they might want to just save that for (laughs) sometimes, but people are just being their true selves. And, and it's the most beautiful thing I ever seen. And, And I feel so lucky and so grateful And I'm so proud that while even in these places where just surrounding these clubs, it's the most uptight, conservative, horrible, ruthless, almost unfair, dangerous place for these people to be. Like we we we're going around this country providing what I, I, I hope will always be safe places for people to try on and just do whatever, you know try yourself, try yourself and see if there's other people like that. And if not, find out from them where there's another place for you to go or what shit online exists. Cause it's, yeah, that, 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 that changed me for sure. I feel, I feel like that's the most important thing I've ever seen. Oh my God. You're going to make me cry. That just resonates. That resonates for so many. Absolutely. What you, everything that you said And I feel like that's why I feel like live music is so important because and it's so important to support these venues and these spaces because they're like often not only are they like some of the only places left where we can feel like free from the almighty parasite of consumer capitalism that's slowly chipping away at everyone's human spirit, but also (laughs) like just at home, like in so many places where it feels like it's just dangerous to be your authentic selves, especially in states where it's so conservative and fundamentalist and so many of these kids like shows are their lifeline. Like, They they live for that shit because restraint is the one thing that's placed on them all the time at home and out in the world and stuff like that. And yeah, absolutely. Everything you just said, I I couldn't have said it better. Oh, well, thank you. And I I appreciate that. And thank you for letting me talk about that because, yeah, it's like, it's just really, it's such a hard time and it seems like stuff is getting worse, but I kind of feel like it's getting better. Not that I, and I, I I can't say that across the board. And I definitely don't feel like racially that I 
that we can say that like at all because what is happening there is just you know i i can't i can't speak to that but like um the pendulum is definitely while these are small small spaces it's like people are being free in those spaces and meeting each other and like yeah that's it's there's nothing more important so i hope we get to keep doing it and i hope that that just keeps getting bigger and bigger and bigger and more and more and more and yeah and i can't wait to meet those those humans in like five years and you know and just like <laughs> yeah it's like i saw you at my show yeah you you're in the front we hugged <laughs> you know <laughs> yes absolutely there's no better feeling and yeah. Another question I had was you guys, I'm obsessed with the Atomic Rooster cover, by the way. Oh, um, cool. So good. Thank you. And was, we were just talking about manifestation. You manifested contact with Damien Eccles via Cameo. Oh, um, yeah. So do, weird. Do you want to tell me a little bit about what made you decide to tribute this very apt um, song to him and his story for listeners who might not be familiar? Yeah, well, that's, I totally forgot about that. That's one of the weirdest. That's what I mean also. Like, we don't know why we do these things and then it becomes very clear, but we were obsessed with this Nigerian psych and funk compilation. It had this band called The Funkies doing this song, Breakthrough, and became obsessed with this song. And I was just like, I, I, I've never done a cover before, but I became obsessed with this song. And we wanted to, we were reading one of Damien Eccles books and he's part of the West Memphis three. He was wrongfully convicted, a very, very, very horrible crime that I won't get into, but he was wrongfully convicted and imprisoned for 17 years or maybe 20 years. And he's trying now to get, they have the DNA and he's trying to get them to whatever. I can't, I don't, all of that bullshit uh prison bullshit the whole system so messed up but uh, but so he he was in prison and when he was there he took the opportunity or created the opportunity for himself to learn how to do a lot of things but one of them was astral project and astral projection is the of it's a type of meditation but that you get to leave your body and float through the astral realm and you can like go do anything but uh, so we became obsessed with uh the song that was about the invisible prison and how we're stuck in an invisible prison and we wanted to dedicate it to Damien Eccles because he had learned deeply about this way even in the worst of situations to um learn from it educate himself and become a he's like a high priest at, at what he does and all of these wonderful things and we were reading his book and so we did this cover and we tried to contact him in all of the ways, all a bunch of silly manifestation ways that were getting just ridiculous. And then finally I was like, oh my God, we can contact him on this thing. What was that thing called? Cameo? I oh yeah. Where you pay to get like video. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. You pay like a certain amount of money and you can have them like say happy birthday to your parent or whatever. We're like, Damien, we recorded this song for you. Like, we love you so much. Can we want to write an article? Can we ask you these three questions? And so we asked him these questions, and like his answers were incredible. I think I should share that with everybody because it was it was a lot about it, it truly influenced a lot of our writing. 
moving forward into writing under the spell of joy. But the funniest part of it is, is that it came out the song learning about astral projection and how to not pay attention to your earthly confines came out like first couple of months of quarantine. So I was like, I didn't know that that was going to happen. I just knew that, yeah, the key to your freedom is in your mind. It's not outside of you. And, and then a few months later, we find out what that means. <laughs> uh, going back to your old question, that's, that's what I mean. I have no idea why these things happen, but they, it always happens like this. You're like, oh, oh, yeah, that makes sense. <laughs> of course, we had that song come out the month of where we realized we're going to be locked down for yeah. a few months. <laughs> it's like it's but like you- the, the Strokes ha- having named their album The New Abnormal in 2019 before 2020 even happened. And I was like, OK, I don't care. Even for <laughs> even for a coincidence, that's too that's too weird for me. <laughs> that makes yeah. it ridiculous. <laughs> like, but but yeah, it's so funny how these things all line up. They do. And I think we're, I mean, we're just all, we're all pulling from the same, you know, we're all pulling from the same thing. It's, it's what, it's what needs to be known right now, I guess, is what's being pulled from. That's how, that's how I look at it at least. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And as a final question, well, two, two little final questions. I'm curious what you have been listening to the most lately, like any, they can be like friends of yours or local bands that you think more people should listen to since we're all about new music discovery over here. Yeah. Oh, I'm sorry. Where are you? Oh, I'm in uh, New York. Okay, that's what I thought. I wasn't sure because we just got back from tour and I'm not sure of anything. <laughs> but well, Spoonbenders are amazing. Black Tones are amazing. Come Girl 8 is amazing. Yeah, we put those are the bands we played with. We played with we played with Shadow Show. They're amazing. What's it called? Sorry. We play with so many good bands just now. I'm like, whoa. <laughs> yeah, all of those bands are super cool. Yeah, I'm having a hard time remembering. Those are all yeah. Those are all good recommendations. Did you you played at TVI when you came here, right? Yeah. Was that with Come Girl Eight? Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. Great group. Um, Yeah. That uh, venue rules. It does rule absolutely. And I guess the last question is: Is there anything else that you would like to shamelessly plug? And maybe. Uh, some split singles with other great artists in particular. <laughs> oh yeah, there is something. Well, also we played with Boyfriend and today Boyfriend is announcing her, or she's premiering our video with her. So stay tuned for that Boyfriend and DVG. And then also, yeah, we just had a split. No, we just had uh, Peaches just, what's it called? Remixed one of our songs. And that's the most exciting thing in the world. Another person high on our, on our manifestation list. So if you want to ever hear what Peaches would do with one of our songs, go check it out. It's called When I'm Free. And yeah, I feel like just be good to your bodies and be good to other people's bodies. And stay in when it feels right to and go out a little bit more than it feels right to. (laughs) That's my message. (laughs) 
Amen. (laughs) Thank you. So thank you so much for joining me and for introducing me to Tommy. She's adorable. And (laughs) yeah, it was definitely on my manifestation list to get an interview with you. So incredibly ecstatic that that manifestation was successful. That's Um, crazy. Thank you so much. Yeah, of course. And I'll make sure to send you all the assets and link and stuff when the episode goes live. Please do. Will do. All right. Thanks again. Have an amazing rest of your week. You too. Bye. Bye. Thank you so much for listening to Sounding Out with Izzy and a big thank you to Bonnie Bloomgarden for joining me this week. Remember to subscribe and sign up for the mailing list on my YouTube channel and written blog, both under the name A Girl's Two Sound Sense. Give the podcast a five-star rating and review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. And if you're interested, consider donating to my Patreon at patreon.com backslash a girl's two sound sense. That's girl with three R's and no I. Thank you so much for listening, and I will catch you in the next episode of Sounding Out with Izzy.